for just about everything for the outdoors. Go to MidwayUSA.com. Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tecova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots as well as free returns and exchanges and ship right to your door. Go to tecovas.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. What's going on, everybody? Today is Tuesday, April 26, 2022, and today's guest is Mark Peterson. All right, we are back for another episode of the Fall Podcast, and today's guest, like I said, is Mark Peterson. Mark is actually my boss, and uh, him and I sat down recently to talk about some Michigan deer hunting. I mean, Mark gets, he's blessed to be able to hunt all over the world, but today I kind of nail him down for some Michigan-related things, and uh, you know, he's born and raised here in Michigan in the west side of the state, and he's killed some pretty darn good deer in his time on his farm over there. And, uh, I, we talk a lot about the tradition, like, you know, what it started, you know, what it was when he started hunting and what it is now and how it's transitioned. And, you know, last year he killed his biggest Michigan buck to date. I think it was like in the mid one fifties. So, um, and it's pretty cool story how that all went down. He had no idea that that deer even existed. So it was pretty cool how that went down, like I said. So, um, that is today's podcast in a nutshell. I uh, recently just got back from Kentucky on a turkey hunt, and it was, you know, it, it it was a good time as far as camaraderie and all that stuff. But the birds just didn't cooperate. You know, we uh, I think it was early. We got our butts handed to us. So it is what it is. We're gonna put that one behind us and uh, move forward on Michigan turkey season. So I have yet to be out yet. Um, you know, this weekend was jam up with stuff, and you know, obviously still building my house. We're living in it, but still got a lot of things to do um before it's finished but it's livable so doing that and then just kind of taking a taking a break from a five-day you know turkey hunt extravaganza where you get up at 3:45 every morning and hunt all day so recharge the batteries a little bit but i will be getting out here in the next day or two 
um, and try to try my luck at some of these birds. It's really cold here and it's going to be cold mornings, like 25 in the morning, um, to 30 getting up to forties and fifties. So we'll see how the birds react to that. But yeah, was in brief, that's, that's kind of how the Kentucky thing went. Really not a lot to talk about other than I did go to four roses distillery. That was really cool. Got a, got a uh, tour of that. Um, if any, any bourbon fans out there, that was really neat. Um, I actually bought a bottle of four roses, single barrel. So that was really cool. Um, yeah, other than that, I got some housekeeping things here and then we'll get into this interview with Mark. So partners, I mean, I got to support these guys cause they support me in what we do with the fall podcast. And, and, uh, I love each and every one of them. So first up Helix Broadheads, I've been getting still a lot of inquiries on this and, um, they are awesome. <laughs> I don't know. I really don't know what else to say other than it's just, you know, I say it every week and multiple times a week. It's, it's a head that you can just have confidence in. Um, I've had great luck with it. I have yet to have one bad thing go wrong with it. Um, and I don't think I'm gonna, I mean, I may, you never know. I mean, there's always, always something, I guess. I don't know with anything, but Helix Broadheads, you know, I'm shooting the 125s. I did get a pack of hundreds and I'm going to dabble with those this year as well. And just cause I, I did up my arrow weight this year. So I'm going to dabble with those and, and see what happens. But the 125s for me are flawless. You know, I, I can't go wrong. So if you guys want to know more about that, go to helixbroadheads.com. Next is Novix Tree Stands. Guys, it's just, you got to get, get one and try it out. Um, I've said it before. My, my personal favorite is the Hilo with the mini sticks. And I actually put my own cable aiders on there. I like cable aiders. I don't like rope aiders. Um, they just swing around a lot. And I like the cable aider that's kind of stiffer and, uh, I only use three sticks. So I try to get to that like 17 foot range and that's where I really like to hunt. Um, I've done it higher and I've done it lower, but like that 15 to 17 foot range, I really like it anywhere I go and anywhere I've ever hunted like that range right there is, is pretty hard to beat. So go check them out. Novixoutdoors.com. And then next is vector custom arrows. They, I have a code with them. If you guys are looking for arrows, if you type in fall 10, you can save some money there. I've said this before. Also these arrows, you go to their website and you type in, so are you, you know, there's some drop down arrows, arrows, if you want to order arrows and put in some information about your bow, um, the point weight you want. And it basically kicks out an arrow to vector that this is going to be the perfect arrow for your bow. And then they build it and send it to you. So if you guys want to save some money on there, uh, type in fall 10 at checkout and, uh, get some new arrows. So go do that for sure. And lastly, but certainly not least Exodus trail cams. You guys, they're doing an upgrade program right now, and the time's running out because they're only running it for the month of April. So go over there and type in code UPGRADE to save $75 on your next purchase. So, you know, let's face it. We all have cameras that are lying around that are broken or that are completely worthless that could are basically boat anchors. I'm equating this to like cash for clunkers, vehicle trade kind of deal. Um, but right now for the first time ever, Exodus is opening up an upgrade program. So how this works is in short order a render on the exodusoutdoorgear.com. Use the code upgrade to save $75 off on any Exodus render or render bundle. 
Uh, after placing your order, the Exodus team will send you the return label for your trade-in camera. After receive after they receive that camera, they'll ship you your full order. So basically, you go on their website, order a render or render bundle, type in upgrade. They will send you a shipping label to send your clunker camera back. And then once they receive that camera, they'll ship you your render. It's a really cool deal. Honestly, my favorite thing about them is the battery life. The picture quality is great as well, but the battery life is awesome. That's the point of a cell cam. You don't want to have to go in there all the time. So, you know, you want to have good battery life. So the battery life is great. And I will say this, their five-year warranty, five-year theft and damage coverage is second to none. And their customer service is pretty badass. Uh, Go check out their YouTube channel as well. They've got a lot of content on there. And they offer three podcasts as well on any podcast platform you download. So go check those out. Uh, Speaking of YouTube though, um, I've got another hunt, another turkey hunt up on my YouTube channel. Go to the YouTube. If you guys are YouTube connoisseurs, go to YouTube, uh, type in the fall podcast, subscribe to that, hit the bell notification so you know when a new video goes up. Um, I'm trickling new videos on there and hopefully be able to kill a turkey this year on video, I'm hoping. Um, But yeah, I got some product reviews coming and some other content as well. There's a lot of stuff I've been trying to edit, burning the midnight oil, as they like to say, to get up there for everybody that, you know, may have not seen this stuff or, um, you know, just wants to watch and consume more content. So yeah, thank you for all the support and all the downloads. We're going to get to this interview with Mark. It's a good podcast uh, about some cool Michigan deer hunting and deer hunting in general. And uh, don't forget, go to iTunes, leave a five-star rating, go to Spotify, leave a five-star rating, and leave a written review. That is always greatly appreciated. So thank you guys very much, and here's this interview with Mark. All right, we are back for another episode of the Fall Podcast, and today I have Mark Peterson, my boss, I will say. Correct, I would say. (laughs) Uh, Owner, operator of Worldwide Trophy Adventures as well. Would you say that? Yep. And I guess what else? I mean, you have you have your hands in a lot of different things. I like to stay busy. I'd also add in host of the Journey Within. Yes. Uh, linear TV show kind of, let's see, this would be the third, I guess you could call rebranding. Started as um, Destination Extreme and then went to Expedition Series and Triple Threat. Now kind of, I think I've learned a lot over the last 10 years and encompassing it in what, what I call the Journey Within. Yeah. Um, really is a proper heading because it fits all the different type of hunting and, and traveling that I do. Right. And to me, it's a lot more about the, the journey than it is the ending. Mm-hmm. Um, so it really fits. And besides that, excited, as you know, starting off my own podcast, The yep. Journey Within, having a, some awesome guests on there. And, and that's been exciting and, and challenging and a lot to learn for me at the same time. Yeah, let's let's start there because you've been in the hunting industry for a very long time. I mean, how many years would you say? So you've I've, been, been? I've been full two feet in for 10 years. This is going on year 10. Okay, yep. so just as long as I've been in. So that's, yep. that's neat. I thought you were a lot longer than that, but that's You're pretty, saying I'm old. <laughs> Well, you're not much older no, than I am. 38. I just turned 35. I feel like I can't even get out of bed some days. Spring chicken. Wait till you hit 38. <laughs> no, but so I want to get into, you, you've been down the linear road a lot. Um, still doing the linear. Our, we're trying to grow your digital like crazy. And it is. I mean, it's mm-hmm. growing ever, ever so rapidly. And I love, I, I handle a lot of the digital things and I love the digital side of it. But let's get into this podcast thing. So this will go live just before the your podcast goes live because okay. we're getting ready to gear this up. Your podcast is going to go live early May. Yep. Um, and we're recording this uh, mid-April right now. So 
let's get into it. Are you excited about it? Like you, you're going to be a podcaster now. I am. I, I mean, I don't know about that title, but I, I am. So I put this <laughs> off just like basically two years. It's Ryan and the guys at WTA have been talking about me doing my own podcast for two years. And I was always like, I just hemmed it off. Like I'm, yep. busy, I'm busy enough. I got enough other stuff going on. And I, I did get the, the reasoning behind it because after I've dug in and, and done a few of them now, I can answer a lot of questions that I get on social, but really dig behind the reasoning sure. of why things. Yes. Like, why do we have owned outfitters? And, and not just a two-sentence answer back to them in a, in a written form. Or like in a, in a linear or a digital video, it's not talking. Like you're telling the story along the way. You're doing it with cinematography and so forth. Podcast is just, I mean, it, it is what we're doing today. It's sitting down and BSing and, and just covering a wide range of topics, really yep. what people want to hear in a little bit more in depth. Um, I mean, the cool, like everybody always for me wants to hear about, hey, you just got back from Argentina or you just did this, like specifics of it. Like what didn't you show on the video? What didn't you so post on social? What didn't you write in your in your in your blog and everything like that? This is just a, a natural other avenue for me to just kind of share my experiences right. with it. I'm excited about it because I can't wait till we're on the road in Mexico or Argentina on yep. one of these trips where we can just sit around have a beer and bullshit about mm -hmm. just the behind the scenes stuff that people don't us razzing on each other or you know what I mean? And like a lot of that, you've been on the trips to where like that's you can't show it either. No. Like that's the part that sucks. Like you can't show that in a linear episode or a yep. digital. Cause one, you guys usually got a beer in your hand and you're not filming. You're just throwing <laughs> it out there. It is what it is. So we have no proof of allegedly. it. Allegedly. Allegedly. But like, that's like the cool part of every hunter that goes out, no matter if they're hunting in their back 20 or whatever, they come back to their house or if they're at a deer camp or Turkey camp or any of this stuff, they come back with a group of friends and that that's the real part. Like right. that's all part of it. And it's, you can't show that correctly on the video, but we a hundred percent can talk about it as we're sitting there right. enjoying a beverage of choice. Right. Like that, that's pretty easy. And you always remember so much more right after it happened. Mm -hmm. Like what happened when we were trying to stalk in and Justin sounded like a herd of elephants behind yep. me. Like, like those are the moments that you can talk about. Yep. Well, and also all these different avenues, they offer different things like linear offers, what linear offers. I don't want to get into that right now, yeah. but digital offers this podcasting offers something that linear and digital, like you said, can't do. Yep. You yep. know what I mean? So I like, I think it's being a podcaster and you doing the podcast. Now it's going to make us like more of a well-rounded, like people are going to watch the digital episode of the Carmen Whitetail, mm -hmm. and then they're going to watch the linear and get something a little different. Yep. And then they go to the podcast talking about the behind the scenes and didn't realize that everybody got COVID in camp. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. I mean? There's a lot. Like, where, where do you show the part of two weeks after or a week after that everybody got COVID? Like, yeah. you, you can't fit that in the old episode. And by the way, we all got COVID and travel like that. <laughs> Great time, yeah. Like, like yes, show again. yeah, yeah. <laughs> hopefully, hopefully those days are behind us. But there's another election coming, so I think they're coming again. Yeah, they got to come up with something. Yeah. I mean, we're running out of variants here, yeah. so no. So that's what I'm excited about the Journey Within podcast. So everybody out there, I'm going to plug it right now. It's going to be going live here soon. We're just uh, we're trying to bank some episodes and get all the artwork done and everything. And then we're pushing this baby live and it's going to be weekly and mm -hmm. you're going to get a, a wide variety of like, like Mark said, like hunting experiences, us in camp, but then you're also going to get like Mark talking to outfitters that he goes to mm -hmm. and WTA outfitters yep. and WTA consultants. And 
we'll have an episode where we get into what WTA is, but it's in a nutshell. Can you kind of explain what WTA is and how it benefits people? Yeah. So WTA, I mean, it's, it's grown a ton over the last 10 years, but WTA is, is the, the largest. And I, I mean, I'm completely biased on this one. I, I say the largest and the best booking agency for hunting and fishing trips and it's also a tag service so what does what does a booking agency mean it means like okay i'm gonna go book a hotel room like if you're going with your family or a a cruise or something like that we do that except we do it in the hunting and fishing industry so you're like if you're an eastern hunter and man like i always wanted to go and hunt elk but i Mm -hmm. don't know where the right spot is now if i'm if i'm somebody and go okay i'm gonna go book an elk hunt and i go do a, a convention show and i see a guy in a hallway that's got an elk out front I go and talk to him. That guy is 100% selling you what he has to offer. He's, it is what it is. That's his, that's his livelihood. Right. That's what he does. He's fitting you into something that he offers. When you come to WTA, we have, for elk hunters, we have 500 different elk hunters we work with or outfitters. So we'll take that wide range of what you're looking for as a client. Is it a horseback? Is it a camp? Or is it a ranch hunt? Like, what's your physical ability? Do you want to use a bow, a muzzleloader, a rifle? Like, we'll bring all those down. What state do you, what's, like, what's your I- ideal dream trip? Like, when you thought about this, we'll bring it down and give you the best three to five options that we think. Mm-hmm. Now, here's, here's what I call, like, the WTA advantage from being the, the, the largest or, or having so many clients in our portfolio that we help out is when you go to a camp that we've helped arrange or booked you in, you show up as John Smith, yes, yep. but you show up as a WTA client. So the outfitter now looks at that and goes, man, WTA sends me a large book of business here with their clients because they trust me and I do a good job. But that also means that you have our, our backing. So mm-hmm. we, we back you. If something goes wrong in that experience, we're there for you. And generally, the outfitter will do a lot more to honor that because you're not just an individual that booked at a show that you're like, okay, had a bad experience, never going to see him again. Right. No, you got to come back and deal with WTA. You're not just another hunter. You're not just another hunter. You're a WTA client. Like yeah. the, the, the guys we work with, the outfitters that we work with understand that, hey, we don't ask for anything above and beyond like what you do. We just want to have our guys with best guide, best room. Like you have to have the best in your operation. Yeah. Like that's, we don't want you to go above and beyond like anything that you would normally do that that's different. No, we just want the best of your general operation for our clients to have their best experience. And what really measures success for us is when those clients go back and Rebook. back and back mm-hmm. to that same outfitter. That means we did our job lining up the client with the outfitter and making yeah. it all work. Well, and the thing I like about WTA is they have all this back information on mm-hmm. all these outfitters. Mm-hmm. Like you talk about like elk's a big one, you know? So if you want to go elk hunting, like you said, you will speak to a consultant like an Eric shell yep. or, or someone, there's a lot of consultants there. Eric just comes to my mind cause he's got my portfolio. Mm. So you talk to a guy like him and he's going to be like, okay, what's your physical ability? Yep. I, I can get up some mountains, but I really don't want to do that. Then he's going to start like narrowing it down from there. And then you're going to land on a winner and then you're going to have one of the best experiences catered to you. That's yep. what I love about it. Yep. Because how many times have you went to a place and you're like, well, we really didn't figure on getting into this. Yeah. This like is, Mexico. Didn't I didn't see feel like coming. we were going to be a seven hour drive from the airport. Yeah, didn't, didn't see this one coming. And the, the beautiful part, we're also, we do tag applications. Yes. So as we handle everybody's tag application portfolio and, and really handle their hunting schedule, it allows us to be like, okay, this person would like to hunt elk. Well, we can actually save you a little bit of money. If, if you're going in the next three or four years, we can get you applied in these areas. You'll draw the tag. Now all of a sudden you don't have to play for a landowner tag. Now you're saving money. Mm-hmm. The beauty, the beauty is like everybody's like, oh, 
I don't want to book with an agency because I don't want to get charged more than what the what the going rate is. That's that's far from the truth. We're we're there. Now there, don't get me wrong. There are some agencies that out there that add money on to what the booking is. We do not do that. Our price that you book through WTA to go with an outfitter is the same price that you would go and book with that outfitter. So if you think at think about it from an outfitter's perspective. How do I get clients? Just like the same as any business, like it is what it is. It's a business. How do I get clients to buy what I'm selling? Well, do I go to a convention? Do I spend marketing costs? For us, the outfitters that we work with and trust are generally not the guys that want to go to eight weeks straight of shows. Yep. They don't want to go to the convention circuit and just be selling the whole time. They trust that we're going to send the correct clients. And what I mean by correct clients is we're selling the hunt the correct way. If we book an elk hunt and say it's a 330 type bull hunt. We didn't sell that as a, Hey, you could shoot a 400 inch bull. No, we literally said what the average bulls have been. And we've showed the pictures this is, we haven't upsold anything. So it doesn't put unrealistic expectations on the client when they arrive at the outfitter. That's not, that's not the key to success. So the outfitters look at it and go, okay, I'm going to pay the commission to WTA, but it means I get to save on all these other marketing costs or my time. And those are the relationships that, that we've got that really strive mm -hmm. is when let us handle your marketing because we 100% trust what you're offering. Sure. We have the history behind it. We've got all the clients that come through camp. We've got all this. And you keep us up to tone on, because just like here in Michigan, the deer herd changes every year. Yep. I mean, not much because we shoot small deer here, but like it, it <laughs> like it changes. Like the deer herd changes over, the elk herd changes, weathered, um, like blue tongue, like all these things affect it. The outfitters let us know. So we, we know that when we're working with our clients and booking and doing all this stuff, we've got so much background information to make sure that when you book with us, your trip's going to be a success. Does WTA offer like an insurance policy as well? So we, we work with a couple different insurance companies. So you can get trip insurance 100% in case and trip insurance covers multiple things. Like something happens to you if you're planning to go on a backcountry mule deer hunt. And you know you're training and all of a sudden, guess what? You're training with your pack and you slipped and you broke your ankle. Well, if you had that insurance, you're 100%, that insurance kicks in, and then all of yep. a sudden you're covered. You're not out the seven or eight grand or whatever okay. whatever that yep. part is. Um, and I, listen, I'm no insurance expert, but I know there are different other reasons in there that are covered that are work-related or medical, like all, all these ones that could kick in that insurance. Okay. Like We always recommend it because in the grand scheme, it's like any insurance, like Car anything, can happen. anything can happen mm -hmm. at any point in time like you hate writing the insurance check but then all of a sudden it takes one time of having to do it and you're like oh man that was well glad worth i it. did yep. that yep yeah yep now for people that would want to sign up for a portfolio i talked about my portfolio mine is not as robust as someone like yourself mm -hmm. but um how would people start a portfolio if they want or because to me i'm not gonna lie to you before you know working with wta it was kind of intimidating. It's a very intimidating. It's an intimidating process. So how would you recommend like people learn more about it and get signed up for so it? So there, there are a couple. And let me first, on the, on the intimidating part, it's really intimidating if you're an Eastern hunter mm -hmm. looking to do stuff out West. Because here in the East, any of the states, besides like Maine Moose, you got to draw. But like any of the other states, if I want to go deer hunting... I just go and buy it. I just go and buy a deer license. Yeah. Like I don't have to. I don't have to apply to anything. I just go and buy. In some states, you get two or three, or some of the states down south, you get five. Yeah. Or Texas, they, I think they give you, shoot, nineteen tags when you buy a, a state license down right. there. But when you go out west as an eastern hunter, you're just not used to it. You're not used to separating it into zones. Like in Michigan, you buy a deer license, it's good for the state. Mm -hmm. You don't have to worry about like in Colorado, I bought this deer license and it's only good for this zone and and so forth. So like, I recommend the best thing to do like. Obviously, the information's free. 
So head to our website, worldwidetrophyventures.com. But also, if you're if you're really interested, talk to one of our consultants. Like that doesn't cost anything. Right. Like it doesn't cost anything to talk to one of our consultants and talk it through. Like, and a lot of people have questions. The only dumb question is the one that's not asked. Yeah. Like don't don't let it sit there for a year or two or three years and then all of a sudden be like, oh, I figured out. I wish I would have started applying five, ten years ago. Right. Like don't ask the question now. Like you can start getting in and it depends on what you want to do. Everybody has a different portfolio, which is why you, you talk with one of our consultants. And they'll they'll kind of draft up this portfolio based on what your conversation and what you want to do as your goals. And guess what? That portfolio changes every year or every couple of years. Like if you think about how you change as an adult, like you get into this and you've got young kids and you're like, I, I can't spend this much or mm-hmm. I can't travel that much. But then as your kids get older and they leave the house, as a hunter, you're like, I have more means. I have more time. Yep. I want to start applying to more things. So what we've caught is everybody always starts in their portfolio. They, they, they kind of dab the toe in. Yep. Apply into a couple, Iowa whitetail, Kansas whitetail, Colorado mule deer, like some of these easy smaller ones, yep. yep and then all of a sudden by the time they get used to it they're like i'm applying to all the sheep because i realized the only realistic way that i'm going to get a, a bighorn sheep tag is if i draw it but those are 25 plus years right now with point creep they're going to be even more so i have to get in and start applying yeah. on those um one other thing anytime i talk about sheep we do kids apply free most states are 12 years old. You can start applying. Some are even 10. Like I've had my kids applied in a couple of states since they're 10, but all of them since they're 12. So they're building points. And if you start thinking about, okay, drawing a sheep tag, probably by the time they get there, it's going to be 30 years. Well, I started applying them when they're 12. They're going to be in their early 40s and start start drawing all these sheep tags that, you know, if you don't start until your 30s or 35 or 40, you're, st- you're staring at yeah. mid 60s or 70s. Like, and that's that's part as a as a parent like what do you want your your kids to do and it's tough because you're you're spending that money knowing that they probably won't draw that tag for 20 years or so but you're also you can apply them into some really great elk units knowing that okay i'm applying when he's 12 but some of these elk units may take 10 years so he's gonna draw it when he's 22 can you imagine being 22 and drawing like a primo utah elk unit like you'd be be in heaven and all because your dad went out and took the initiative i'm gonna start applying them now so he's so he's set. Mm-hmm. Like it, it, even as even as me, it took me a second to realize I'm going to spend the money to apply my kids just so when they're in their early 20s and mid 20s, they're going to be drawing tags that you could only dream of. But right. it's because we started them early. Well, and I just go back to like the whitetail side of things as well as, you know, I I drew my first Iowa tag when I was 33. Now, I look at like every four years to draw it. Like yep. I'm only looking at maybe seven or eight more trips now that might seem like a lot but really that's not a lot in the of grand trips. scheme of life that's not very many no. more experience and and like i hate to be debbie downer but seven or eight more trips you're gonna get bad weather for a couple of them not gonna you, kill you're, everyone you're <laughs> not gonna kill everyone you start dwindling those down those experiences are like you want to max those mm-hmm. out and that's what i'm saying with my daughter now she's four like getting getting her in those like you know iowa points or yep. her kansas points or something like that something little i say little but you know dip your toes in like yep. you say yep. you know um talk lastly i want to get in because i want to get in some whitetail talk here but talk about the the floating the cost like how does that yep. work so a lot of states um you have to float the tag cost which means if i apply and i, I put in for a sheep tag and it's 2400 bucks i have to float that money which means i have to pay the state 2400 dollars for them to then do the drawing for three or four months so they're holding my money and then i get it back if i'm unsuccessful well, just imagine, like I use this example, imagine going to your wife and saying, I applied in five different states and three <laughs> of them had to hold my money, but I applied for sheep, moose, 
mountain goat. So, hey, on the credit card for the next three months, it's just going to show that I'm floating like 22 grand because I applied for a bunch <laughs> of these tags. But don't worry, we're going to get it back because I'm really not going to get drawn for until them. they all until, hit until they all hit <laughs> well it's an awkward conversation to have so at wta we float your tag fees you that money comes from us we float it like basically like financing through a bank does that save now, a lot of marriages you think i mean i like to think everything we do <laughs> saves marriages but i mean there are some people that book a lot of hunting trips so i don't yeah. know what their home like i don't know what their home personal life is but that part definitely should right. yeah. yeah yeah so you guys float those costs like even like iowa whitetail if, if I was to put in for a tag this year, I got to pay that money for the tag up front. Yep. And if I don't get it, then they refund me that yep. money. So, so we float that. <clears throat> yep. yep. And that's like the beauty about WCA. I use it. I use them for Iowa whitetail and Kansas whitetail. So when I know when I put in, they pay that and then I will get a invoice yep. that I got to pay them back. Yep. One time, one time invoice to pay, pay through and you can change and modify like... If you lock into a portfolio, like it's intimidating until you get going and you start rolling with it. But if you lock into a portfolio, like you can change that year to year. Mm -hmm. Like say something happens in your life and you've got a giant portfolio that I'm applying and everything and something happens and like I can't apply for everything anymore. That's well, fine. We shrink it back down the the following year to what you want to go after. Yep. Or if you draw that Iowa whitetail, there's some guys that are like, okay, I went and hunted Iowa and got a great deer. I don't know if I'm going to do that again because I've got other things I want to do and focus on. Well, then we just drop that Iowa one off after you got it. Or in, or like I want to apply to one of the best units in Utah to to hunt elk, and it's 14 or 16 points. Like, okay, once you get that, then be like. You don't need to, if you don't want to right. apply to it again and do it a second time, knowing how long it's going to take, perfect. Don't don't apply for it. Right. Or if you draw, like, magic people that draw a bighorn tag and you get your bighorn, well, then you don't need to do it. And the problem is most most guys that go on a sheep hunt get addicted, so you got to do it again. But, like, say you shot your bighorn, now you don't need to apply in all the other states. Well, that's, you don't have to continue applying if you get yep. it. And the thing I like about WTA as well is, so let's say I, I, I applied for – you know, Kansas Whitetail and Iowa Whitetail last year. The next year coming into that year, they'll give me a, like, a, I don't know what you call it. Like, they'll send you a, hey, do you want to put in oh, this for reminder. this again? Yeah, the reminder. reminder. Yep. And it shows you the price breakdown. It gives you, like, okay, if I know if I do this again, this is what I'm going to be in for the dollar amount. So if you're anything like me and I squeak when I walk, so it's like, man, eh, maybe I don't want to put in for Kansas yep. this year, yep. you know? So it's like, and then I call Eric Shell and I'm like, Hey, don't put me in for Kansas, but put me in for Iowa. Yep. I like the reminders, Yep. yep. you know? So you're not on the dark, like, man, I wonder if they put me in or if they, if I need to do that this year. Yeah. And he can put in, so you pass on Kansas this year, he'll put a reminder in to send it to you next year. Cause you'd be like, I'm not going to do it this year, mm -hmm. but make sure. Cause I probably want to put into it next year, but I, I just don't know what's going to happen with X or whatever. Right. Like, yeah, hundred percent. Yep. And one, and one of those, like every state has different deadlines. A lot of states have multiple deadlines depending on the species that you're applying for. Like the whole thing. That's why I say it's so intimidating for people that aren't in the West or aren't in those states to know when all the deadlines mm -hmm. are. Because you miss a deadline, you're done. Yep. Let let us handle it. Let the professionals handle yep. it. Yep. And a fun fact on Mark's podcast, and I've been doing a little bit on this podcast, we're going to be hitting you with the deadline dates for all species. So if anything, if you want to take anything out of my podcast or even Mark's, you'll have those deadlines reminders before those deadlines come up. So you got to learn, you know, listen week to week to hear those deadlines, but it is nice because you know, I, how many times have, you know, you may have forgot. It's like, shit, yeah, you know, the deadline's up. gone and I, I messed up like my four year Iowa tag. Now I got to wait another year. And yep. it's like, so yeah, for sure. Um, 
I'm going to do a pivot. Do you have anything to say about the WTA thing that we no, might not I mean, have? I, we, and I'll cover a ton of it on our podcast just because we do so much. Like we have, owned, right. we have owned outfitters. We have affiliates we work with. Like we have all this stuff that we've just grown and we've been very successful because I like to say we, we've done things the correct way. Yep. Like we take our clients and our outfitters and put them first and that just leads to a lot of success. But there's a lot that we do that a lot of people don't understand of everything we offer. So that's a lot what I'm going to cover in the podcast from week to week is just as we modify or we change or we add these things, just mm -hmm. other benefits, we're going to cover those. Yeah. And uh, last thing on that too, because I have the scenario going on right now, my uncles, my father-in-law are, are booking, uh, Saskatchewan whitetail hunt with WTA mm -hmm. with a WTA outfitter they've never been out of state doing that kind of thing so they're kind of like in the dark like what to expect yep. they're like what the expect guy mm -hmm. we're gonna be doing that on March podcast like we're gonna be hitting the WTA outfitter outfitters of like hey if you're going on the Saskatchewan whitetail hunt from soup to nuts this is what you can expect how to travel with a gun how to get yep. your animal home you know what to expect when you land in x airport you know you get a rental car here well it sucks getting a rental car there you got to do it this way yep. you know like yep. there's going to be things like that as well so everybody can take some yeah so it. on that one like i know the exact outfitter that your uncle's going with we'll get lance and emily on there from yep. safari river and we're just going to break it down like this is we'll break it down from you traveling in the camp what a normal day looks like what the where it looks like that you're going to stay i mean shoot we'll even Ty and Craig and the food you're going to eat, yep. but then what they do up there also, like what their season looks like through waterfall season as they prep getting ready for deer season, what we do through the off season to make mm -hmm. sure that our deer herd stays healthy, like there, and what we do for wolf control, like that we'll talk through all that. So like as a, as a client going, they'll have a hundred percent of their questions answered. Um, but also just kind of be like, why is this outfitter different from the other ones? We'll, we'll cover those of hey, as you look through different places to go. Like it's always best to hear from the outfitter. Yep, for sure. Okay, let's pivot a little bit. Hard pivot because yep. I want to get into whitetail. This is a whitetail podcast. You killed an absolute giant mm -hmm. this last year here on your farm here in Michigan. So, you know, you grew up on the west side of the state. You're right on Lake Michigan. Literally. When you look out your back window, I see Lake Michigan. Yep, we're about 150 yards from Lake Michigan, right where we're sitting right now. Yep. So you grew up here. I want to get into like, and the reason why this is so fascinating to me, a buddy of mine, David Riley, he lives, um, uh, a recent buddy. We got to know each other through the podcast. He's done a couple of podcasts. We've scouted some whitetail ground together, formed a relationship, but like he's from like a Wasso. So it's like, okay. it's like an hour South of me. I brought him up to my deer camp recently in Michigan. And he's like, dude, this is unreal. I didn't get to grow up with this. Cause to me, uh, I'm thinking like everybody in Michigan had a deer camp. You know what I mean? Like yeah. that's the truth. And he didn't get to, he's like, man, this is like, was taken back from our camp. So I want to know, like, you know, you're two hours West of me. So yep. like, did you have that? And I, was that your experience? I have never missed a, November 14th deer camp. Like I will change my schedule around yes. to be here and everybody in the office thinks I'm crazy because I'm coming back home. But I have, have been in deer camp since I want to say I was five. Mm -hmm. So what is that? 33 straight years of being in deer camp in Michigan. Like that's like that's hunting to me. Yeah. That is what hunting is. Like if you're not there with your family on deer camp getting ready in excitement for the November 15th opener, like that that is hunting to me that's what i grew up on is deer camp in michigan the so, night of november 14th could be the best night of the year oh absolutely the <laughs> excitement that goes into that like we've got a cabin in hart michigan so we're about 20 minutes from my house right now but we've we've had various we've been in deer camp there 
for as long as I can remember. Mm -hmm. Like it's my dad's always there. My kids are there now. Like our family's there. That is, that is November 14th. And we usually stay through the first couple of days of season, come yep. back the first weekend, sometimes depending on we'll come back for Thanksgiving. Like it's a 15 day season. It's a holiday. Like I grew up in the time to where November 15th was not a school day. It was a day off. Like the same they go, here. They go to school now. <laughs> my kids do not, but they go to school now in, in, in Shelby. But when I grew up, I never went to school on the 15th. Like we always had the day off because yep. there weren't enough kids that showed up. Mm -hmm. The same, same with me. Like, you know, I, I went to a school not too far from you I went to Chip Hills. So mm -hmm. I'm like, you know, probably, I don't even think it's an hour from here, no, but anyway, so. um, we didn't have school. You know what I mean? Yeah. And even if even if it was scheduled, I didn't think we had school because I knew beginning of the year I wasn't going yeah, on November no 15th. Way I wasn't either. Mm -hmm. <laughs> but the thing that was shitty about it is because we always had basketball practice, like usually two a days leading up. So if I remember, oh, I think I was a junior on varsity, and I'm like, the opening day was like a Thursday. So I'm thinking Thursday, Friday, Saturday, yep. Sunday, I'm at deer camp. Yep. Like, yep. nope. We had two days on Friday, and then we had to come in for film on Sunday. Had a game on Monday. And I'm like, fuck. Oh yeah, Coach sucks. Coach Zulik was famous about running a, a mid morning basketball during deer season. Yep. And depending on whatever it was on the 15th, it was enough for him to get out and go deer hunting. But then the rest of us had to get back and get in there. Yeah. I remember. So my my best morning when I was in school, um, just like you, Michigan. I mean. Not very long ago, it was tough deer hunting. Still, yes. I mean, it's still yep. tough deer hunting. But when I was young and in the high school, I mean, you shot any buck that you saw. You didn't even second guess. It doesn't matter if it was a broken one-sided spike. You yep. shot it because yep. that was that was the mentality. And the same thing. And I shot a 10-point, which I look at it now. It was like a 110-inch deer, maybe. Yep. Maybe 110-inch deer. I probably score it just, just so I know. But at that time, that was a giant mm -hmm. for where we shot. And I shot a six point and I shot that deer in the same morning. And I had to boogie out of there to get back for practice. And then after practice, I had to go back to be able to take care of those deer. But that was like my best best morning. I still remember I had blonde highlights like Eminem <laughs> school because our whole basketball team had blonde hair, like goofy pictures. But that was that was hunting in the morning, back for basketball, and then back to take yep. care of those deer. Yep. And that's um you know, you talk about shooting everything. I actually was a little spoiled. The, so our camp rules, we have 218 acres in central Michigan. Our camp rules were, you know, for your first deer with a bow and your first deer with a gun, it can be whatever you want. Yep. But then after that, it's got to be eight or bigger or four on one side. So yep. I've never, I've always had a point restriction under mm -hmm. me. So I never got to kill like those, you know, I passed up a lot of bucks that were like those you know, hundred inches or, or under, you know, eight pointers, like six pointers, yeah. stuff like that. So I like got to so, have to pass that. So up. you guys have had that started a long time then. Yeah. But we didn't have, we don't have point restrictions in Isabella County. And so, we, but mean, we, we just, did it as a camp though. Yeah. We, so Oceana County, we have our second tags of point restrictions. So you can shoot it. It's got to be four on a side. Yeah, for your same, second same tag. as ours. First yep. one is open, but we didn't start at, in our camp in heart until about 10 years ago, we didn't do any point restrictions. Okay. It was just literally mow down any buck that you could, yep. could see. And we have, I mean, it's just under 500 acres, but we have at that time, we had like 18 people hunting it. Oh shit. How and many acres? At that time it was. We've grown since then, but it was under 400. Okay. So, I mean, think about that, though. And, you know, a yeah. lot of that's open. It was open cornfield. So, you got 80 acres of open cornfield, start shrinking it down. 18 people, you weren't going very far without seeing another person. Right. Now, obviously, that's kind of shrunk down on the number of people and, and so forth. So, now, I want to say, what did we have last year? It was like right at 10. I think we had 10. For rifle? Or for is rifle, that even bow? For rifle. No, bow season, there's only six 
So it's, I mean, both seasons it's manageable because you can go in there and you can get different sets, but with a rifle, you can just shoot so far and you can cover so much, so much. Yeah. Different. I've hunted in the same stand since that. I told you that I shot that 10 point and that six point the same day. I've been in the same stand since then. So that was 18, that's 20 years ago when I was in there. So I've been in the same rifle stand for 22 years. Wow. Same spot. Now it's changed in the blind and so yep. forth, but that's where my daughter has shot every deer except one in Michigan is out of that stand. That's cool. So it, it just the history, like I go back to Michigan deer camp, like part of that is I know exactly where I'm going to be on November 15th mm -hmm. in that stand, hopefully until I can't walk anymore. Yep. Like I want to be in that stand. On For sure. That's the same thing our camp is as well. We have, you know, we have 11 guys that are part of the camp, but there's only about five or six of us that are diehard bull mm -hmm. hunters. Mm -hmm. But when it comes to opening day, the, a lot of us younger guys are gone. Like it's the mm -hmm. time that we take our, our trips to Kansas yeah, yeah. bow hunt or something like that. So I think the older guys are starting to like that a little bit more. It's like, hey, you know, it, it, we get camped to ourselves a little yep. bit now. So, yep. but um, we, you know, growing up, we had eleven guys in blinds and two hundred eight twenty acres. That's you're, still, staring, you're staring at each other yeah, pretty much. Yeah, you know, it's like, hey, Kevin, there's there's, there's a buck a coming at you, and like five seconds later, it's like, oh, he's right in front of me. You yeah. know, yep. I remember one day opening day. This wasn't too long ago my dad sits on like our east property line he had a bobcat come by him he's like hey so-and-so there's a bobcat coming it went by him then it went by the next guy and then it went by the next guy it like hit like eight of us like we all saw it and we could see how it weaved through the whole property it's just working through everybody yeah 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 so it's pretty neat though and the thing is now for opening day rifle season for me i'm not a big rifle hunter but it's the 14th the night of the 14th playing euchre yep. drinking beer yep bullshitting with everybody getting out in a blind and just kind of experiencing it. I used to be like, I got to kill the first buck. Mm -hmm. Like I gotta get, you know, I gotta be the first one to kill. But now it's like, I just want to hear the first shot. Like what's going You're, on. You, you know? know what that is? My, my dad explained this to me a long time ago. It's your evolution as a hunter. So like if you, if you think back to when you were younger, like it would, you go through this blood thirst phase of, I just want to shoot. I want to shoot. I want to mm -hmm. shoot. doesn't matter the size. I, I'm just learning. Like if you think about that in anything in life, I just want to do it more and more and more and yeah. more. And then you go through this phase of, okay, now I want to go after quality. Now I'm going to focus it on, I'm not shooting the first eight point. I'm going after, I've run my trail cams all summer, all leading into deer season. I know what the biggest deer on my property is and I'm targeting that deer. Yep. Now, I've, now I'm going after that. And like I, I've been fortunate enough to hunt a lot and I don't know if it's progressed me farther, but now in Michigan, it's like, I want my family, my dad or my kids to be successful. Like I do so much prep work to get my daughter into the blind for yes. youth season or so much prep work to get her in the blind for youth season and, and opening day of rifle season. Like so much of all the work I do here goes into that. Mm -hmm. Now this year was a, a little bit different because I started coaching. So obviously, as you know, it changed my travel schedule. So I'm basically locked in coaching middle school girls basketball here mid-August to mid-October. And then I get basically three and a half weeks. And then I start coaching um, high school girls basketball after that and leads all the way through. So my schedule changed a little bit. What it allowed me to do is almost go back 10 years and, and bow hunt in Michigan more. Which is fun though. Which still is fun because I loved it. And I, I could still like, yeah, it took a little bit of finagling my schedule to go and, and film the the international and all the other stuff that I love doing and, and to get the episodes and everything. And, and like, I don't want anybody to think I would ever change anything, but I love coaching. I love being with, with my kids. Like there's something about that. And I, I've just been able to find this balance, but what it did allow me to do is, Hey, you know what? 
some of the mornings I don't have the pressure here and I don't have to coach until after season. I get to go and sit out and bow hunt for three and a half, four hours in the morning like I used to when I was in college or, or when I was early working before I got in the hunting industry. It's so damn relaxing. Yeah. It's so relaxing. Yeah. So like to watch the woods come up on a piece of property right next to your house, hear the birds come alive, see the squirrels and the does start moving. You see all the small bucks that literally I see on my driveway or through trail cam. Like I've seen these deer a thousand times and you see them out there and moving. Like there's something special about that. Yeah. And that's where I'm just like, I know for at least the next six years as my daughter's going through school, I'm going to be having the same schedule and doing the same thing. And I'm, I'm already know where I'm going to add different stands this year. What I'm going to do different to my food plots this year than I did last year. Like it's digging into that, which I mean, I love it. Yeah. So that's a question I got for you. And that's interesting to me because you've been blessed to travel all over the world, mm -hmm. literally everywhere, do hunts that people will never even dream of being able to do. You've been blessed to do all that and still do it and have some great experiences. But for some reason, like bow is bow hunting in Michigan still like top tier? Actually, like, I would call it what you get most nervous about. Like I get most nervous if you, and here's the crazy thing. Like I, I've, I've been able to go whitetail hunting all over and with the, the deer slam I'm starting up, I'm, I'm going to go whitetail You're hunting. You're going to kill deer, every species yeah, of, of deer. In North America. Yeah. And I'll get to do all that. Tell me something about a Michigan whitetail. They're like, what's special about a Michigan whitetail? I think it's because I grew up doing it. Yeah. That, oh my gosh, you give me a good sized Michigan whitetail, I lose it. I'm like a seven year old schoolgirl. I can't control myself. I, yeah. I'm making bad decisions. I'm shaking. <laughs> I can't. I'm, am I hitting record when I'm filming? Like it's, it's bad. Yeah. It's real bad. But like that, it. I think it just flashes back so many memories and experiences of growing up. Mm -hmm. Like I think that's why. And I just, it's one of those things. Like. I love it, even though you know, like up until this year, I'd have never told you I'd shoot a 150 inch deer where I live. I'd, I'd tell you I'd never do that up until this year. Now I, I'm never going to shoot a 180 inch deer. I'll tell you that now. Like you can go to Kansas and shoot one of those, but there's something about 135, 140 inch Michigan whitetail along the lake here. Like that's that's a giant whitetail here. Like yeah. I like I translate that deer I shot last year, and I shot two good deer because they're both old and mature. It, but the second one I shot, like I translate that into, that's a 200 inch deer in Iowa. hundred percent. That, that translates to a 200 inch deer in Iowa is what I just got here in Michigan. Yep. And I was over the moon mm -hmm. about it. Like, I think I was calling everybody for two hours. Cause I, so anybody that doesn't know, I self film everything I do here in Michigan under a homegrown series. On digital, uh, go on YouTube, homegrown series. You can see everything right here at Mark's yeah. house. So turkey hunting, deer hunting, just like, just like everybody, you're out back your house, no field producer with me. It's all self film, which is a different level. And I, I find it kind of challenging. I love and, it though. And unique. It's more raw. Like mm -hmm. you don't get to see the, uh, I don't say scripted because nothing's scripted, but there's no retake. Like right. I'm showing you raw, raw motion. I kid you not, for two hours after I shot that deer, I didn't do a thing. Like I kept telling myself, I need to go. Well, you drank a beer. I, 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 like I need to go and do this. <laughs> I need to film walking up on them. I need to film my reaction. I need to start taking pictures. I need to do this. for two hours. I walked back and forth between the blind on my phone, just telling everybody I know about this deer. Didn't do a thing. Yeah. Like not a thing. I was just so excited. It's it's funny you say that because um, I shot a buck this year in Michigan. He has a 118 inch deer. I've watched him for two years at mm -hmm. my house where I'm building my house, and. Uh, I shot him. The story was so crazy, and I did a podcast about that. But the when I had him in the back of the truck, I literally I remember calling Lene because <laughs> Lene and I were talking, and she's like, "What are you doing?" And I'm like, "Well, I'm looking at this deer that I shot," and I was like three beers deep, 
I had a buzz on it. My wife. Ten thirty in the morning. <laughs> it probably was like midday, mm-hmm. but I was like, I just wanted to look at them. Mm-hmm. Like it wasn't, you know, to me still one hundred fifteen, one hundred twenty ish deer in my area is like it gets me freaking bricked up. Like, I know, I know I it's weird it. to say, but that's a big deer. It's it a is. big deer in the area that you hunt. And everything's every everything relates to the area that you hunt. Like yeah. if if that's a big deer for your area, it's the same thing as going to Iowa and shooting one hundred seventy inch deer. Yeah. They just, it's just different genetics. It's managed different. Like we all talk about, yeah, Michigan could be managed different, but it's not. So you deal with what it is and that's a big deer for, for what we have here. Agreed. And you know, with threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. To relate back to that, I didn't do anything for like three hours. But just sit there, I, I was you know, in my hunting clothes still and just drank a couple beers and just reminisced because yep. i watched the deer for two years and i'm like I, it's kind of how people use like they say it's bittersweet that mm-hmm. he's gone like mm-hmm. it is kind of bittersweet it's like you know and i watched you like it's there's a relationship out, there ex- exactly and you've outsmarted me so many times but i finally got you like yep. that was cool yep yeah. yeah so let's let's get into this 150 inch deer actually mm-hmm. he was like what 155 155 yeah yep. nobody's counting but i mean i i definitely am now <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> let's talk about this deer because, uh, well, first of all, let's get into the buck you killed with your bow. Yep. You killed one with your bow. You've got how many acres here at the house? So I've got 120 acres at my house, and it butts, again, right up to Lake Michigan. Continuous timber, all yep. timber. Yep. And Mark's got a windy driveway that goes way back, how is it, three quarters of a mile? Yeah. It? You basically drive through the majority of the 120. It's, a, it's like this long L 120 that you wrap around to get beautiful to property yep. you know there's uh, i mean i'm looking out your windows right now i can see cedars i can see hardwoods i mean there's rolling hills like you couldn't ask for a better piece in my opinion but tell me about your bow buck first like how did that come about yep so again like i was home more which obviously meant we did a ton of work for food plots at my house we've got three different food plots here um and it's it's unique because i don't have a it's not wide so it's long and narrow so I have a bedding area that's over by a lake and then how the deer start using it, getting to where they can get feed from a cornfield that's to the north. Like I've been here going on year five, so I've learned their patterns of different times throughout the year. Started tracking it with trail cam. So going into the season, I had four really good bucks. Um, What's your idea of real good bucks? So for here, it's 125 to 135. Okay. Now, one of those that's still on – I don't know if I'm going to say this, but I will because I know there's going to be some neighbors listening. <laughs> there's still one deer that I had in the low 140s that I only saw once during season on trail cam, but he came back after season. I saw him once so after season. I know he made it through, but he hasn't been on me because I run trail cams 12 months a year now. Like mm-hmm. I'm just, I'm that guy. I'm, I'm obsessive. Yep. I don't care if it's February. I want to know what's there. Yep. Um, so I haven't seen him, but it means he's going to come through. If he didn't get hit by a car, and I would have heard if he got hit by a car near, if somebody else would have shot him. I would have heard if he would he would have died. He's still alive, so that's me getting hope for this fall coming. Yep. But anyway, the the other deer. So I had four deer that I'm like, holy smokes! And for my area to have four deer like this on 120 acres is is crazy. So I've got some area to the north that's, um, it's a public walking area, so you can't hunt it. And then it butts up to an open cornfield. So and then there are a whole bunch of houses along the lake, which nobody allows hunting 
and these deer have just got used to seeing people in houses. Like it's different. Like you've driven my driveway, you'll mm-hmm. drive through and see 20 deer staring at you and they don't run. Yeah. Now, if I hunt our property in Hart, which is a hundred or which is 20 minutes away, I see a deer there when I'm driving in that thing may not stop for seven miles. Like it's, it's not stopping. That's a, that's a Michigan deer. Typical the deer, pressure. The Michigan white tail. Yeah. The deer along the lake are just, they, they act a little bit different, but I had seen these deer and I've got like a, like a dog leg food plot to where I've got a tree stand stuck right out there so I can shoot the whole food plot. And they, they bed off at least 250 yards away, tucked by this lake here. I don't want to give too much information because I know there are people that hunt right next to me. So I don't want to know. I assume they know where all these deer are, but I don't want to say specifically. Yeah. So I know where these deer are coming Mark's from. Mark's got three fences along us. Yeah. So it's so I know where these where these deer are coming from. And we were building a building here during the fall, and the builders would stop about four thirty, and I would catch on the trail cam. They would all make this. They make noise all day long because they're banging before hammers. the time change. So the days are a little longer. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So they're so they're banging and doing all this kind of stuff and and. But I noticed, you know, they all leave about 4.30 to 4.35. They're gone. At 4.45 to 4.50, the first does show up on this food plot like clockwork, which I'm like, those deer are not very far away because they wait for that noise to stop, and then they come out to this food plot. And one thing I'm like, man, the scent from those guys is everywhere because they got trucks all over, and, and it's sweaty, and, like, there's that scent. And along the lake, like, everybody's like, oh, I bet you got a solid wind. Well, we generally have a solid wind, but it swirls here every three minutes. Because so thermals, do you throw those out the window? I do here along the lake. I So I've hunted it four years, going on year five. I have not been able to set the wind. So if it tells me it's coming from the northwest, it does not come from the northwest. It changes and swoops and swirls along the lake shore because there's nothing that stops it. It just right. changes how you want. So I'm just like, and, and it's not the, the correct or whatever you want to say. I'm just like, if I've got a deer that's coming in there and the wind's telling me this, I have to go in knowing that the wind is going to swirl on me. And am I going to blow out deer? Absolutely. But I haven't been able to sit one night to where the wind is telling me it's doing something that actually doesn't, and I, and I don't blow yeah. out deer. And one thing about where my food plots are, they're centrally located, so I literally have deer coming into them at 360. Mm-hmm. So I've hemmed and hawed about putting an enclosed blind in, trying to keep some of that center around, but last year I didn't. I just used ozone like crazy. It is, it, it's all, like I looked at it, it's what I had. I'm hunting my options because the wind's never going to be perfect. It's always going to swirl. I'm going to use ozone units to go out there and hunt. And you know what? I'm going to take the chance. I may blow the deer out. Right. I, I may. And, and before that I did, I blew one of the other four out literally the night before I had them at 72 yards coming in, had them on camera again, self-filming. So I'm working that working back heart rates going deer lifts his head up. I'm like, Holy smokes, this is X. I'm like, and then all of a sudden wind swirled. I felt it on the back of my head and I went, shit. He, go. he stopped on a dime and just locked in for five minutes, just staring at me. Now, I was hunting out of a pine tree that you cannot see. Right. You have to be, I mean, you can't. You just can't see it. The majority of the deer come, and there's a big branch that, that blocks it, which also blocks me from being until when the big deer come. But that deer stopped, spun and turned, and your heart, I mean, you've been there. Your heart rate sinks. And you're, you're sick. Like, Don't want to go back home. Oh, I just want to maybe just I'll, throw just, up. I'll just hang myself right here. This yep. is it. So I, I go back, and I'm disappointed in him and Han and throwing my crap on the floor when you walk <laughs> like in. A like, a, like a baby. <laughs> and... I wake up and I run uh, cell cams. I wake up in the morning. I'm like, oh, one of the other deer came in the middle of the night and was in the food plot, literally right in front of the stand I'm at. I'm like, whoa, all right. So you're saying there's a chance. Yeah. So the next night, it's cold. The wind's coming from- What time from, of year? Uh, let's see. This would be early November. So it's cold. Okay. Yep, early November. 
Ah, you know what? No, I lied to you. That's late October. I should have looked up before we got it. It was late October because it was at least a couple of weeks before rifle, before rifle season. Because I shot this deer with my bow and I'm like, yeah, it's a good season. I'm done. Yeah. Like, I, I, that's one of those that you're done. You strive for one opportunity. You strive for one opportunity, yep. especially with your bow. If you yep. get it, it's it's perfect. Now, my daughter was able to take a great buck during new season. Now I'm like, okay, try to get her a She second. killed it last year. She killed two good bucks. She killed two good bucks. <laughs> She's pretty darn fortunate for yeah. a 12 year old. Yeah. Um, so I get to the stand and same thing. So I started to get into the stand. I'd get in there early because I want to be in the stand a half an hour before the construction guys. I'm literally pulling up to where the construction guys are working in my camo. They're waving. We're talking and I'm walking to my stand, which is only like 100 yards away. So I walk to my stand, get in there, 30 minutes, those guys leave and all of a sudden does start coming out. And it's cold and it's got a little brisk of wind. Mm-hmm. Like that perfect, like, yep. man, my fingers are cold, but this is perfect the, October this evening. Is, this is awesome. And I mentioned that branch that covers the majority of the area where the deer come out of their bedding and come to me. So what, what I have to do is I have to keep reaching my head around to see what's around the branch. And you know, you kind of place it and you're watching the does over to the left and then you got some does behind you and you got this small little buck pushing and you just get, you get in the moment and you start watching. And then all of a sudden I, I look out in front of me and I'm like, Oh man, look at that four point. And I'm like, wait a second. That four point has been with my shooter buck every single time on trail camera. (laughs) And I'm like, wait. And I get into the slow crouch and I start standing out of my stand. I'm like one of those three quarters not standing. And I look and my shooter buck is at 40 yards walking in behind this branch. And I don't have my camera. I don't have anything. So I start panic. I turn the camera on. I, I just go wide with it. Like just, just wide, see what I can see. Now I'm grabbing my bow and now you've got, I've got the shakes. Yeah. I've got the shakes. It's happening too quick. I'm sitting there shaking, shaking. And it stops and I can just see it and I'm sitting down and I need him to take like three more steps to clear this branch. And I'm not going to let him hit the food plot. Right. I, I'm one of those guys that like a lot of guys say, yeah, just let him come in. First the food opportunity. Plot. Not, no, absolutely not. That is not me. As soon yeah. as I have an opportunity, I'm letting it go. <laughs> so I draw back and he finally takes two steps and I, I let it go. And I was so like, I'll, I'm, I was gripping the bow so freaking hard. I, I freaking cantered it. Like, the arrow goes and I'm torqued a little bit. I went to the freaking hit forward and I'm like 23 yards. I'm like, are you kidding me? And it hit forward. And I, I go back to the camera and I watch it. I'm like, Holy smokes. I actually recorded this. And I watch it and I'm like, I think the, <laughs> he forgot I, the cameras I, rolling. I, I think the exit, the exit looked good. Uh-huh. And I'm sitting there him and and hawing, him and and hawing, him and and hawing. I'm like, ah, it looks forward. Exit looks good. Ah, it looks forward. Exit looks good. Ah, it looks forward. And all of a sudden I'm sitting there and this group of turkeys starting to come in. And I had seen the same group of turkeys the night before. And Mark's I saw, an opportunist. <laughs> and, I saw that, and I saw that there was a bearded hen in the group the night before. So I knew in this group of, you know, how hens get in the fall, oh, there are yeah. freaking 35 of them yeah. running like <laughs> mice all over the place. So I look up, but I can tell that there, I know there's going to be a bearded hen in there. So I got my bow ready, and I got the camera, went back on wide, and they start hitting the field. And lo and behold, that freaking bearded hen showed, and I just smoked her. Because I was, it wasn't a buck. I wasn't excited about that. Drilled her, and now I'm like all-time high. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Just hit target, target buck with the bow, got the turkey. So I, I'm like, it's been 35, 40 minutes now. And it's Is this your week. number one buck on the farm? So I had those four. It was not my number one. My number one had only showed up once. Okay. And I had kind of crossed him off. So I yep. had these four and, and kind of going after it. And I shot the turkey and I'm like, and now there are turkeys everywhere. And you're like, I'm not going to see anything else. I was just waiting. So now I get down on that last 10, 15 minutes of light, like it's dark. I recovered yeah. the turkey. I go to the arrow where where my deer was. And complete like, pass-through? It was complete pass-through, and you're like, 
it looks like it's just a little bit of lung blood on there. Yeah. And you're like, that's nah, a lot of muscle blood, but it looks like it just. A- so did you think you hit, was he quartering to you a little bit? He was quartering. Yes, he was, he was quartering to me. So I thought, no, he's quartering away. So I thought I hit front. You hit front, back high, then. Yeah. Yeah. No, I hit, he was quartering to me. You're right. So I hit forward. But the exit looked like it could be perfect. So he was angled a little bit towards me. So did you take him like high shoulder, like mm-hmm. down through? Mm-hmm. Okay. How far of a shot? 23 yards. But it came down, came out low, like right behind the shoulder? Right behind like the shoulder. The, like the exit, like I kept oh, going back. Good. I kept going. That's what I thought. Like, I, that should be good. You're good. So I'm like, all right. I can't wait. Yeah. Ah. How long did, was it till you after you it was shot like 40 him? Forty minutes. Yeah, you got way longer. Ah, than I couldn't that. do it. I'm just a little kid, <laughs> a little kid. So I get down. I'm like, ah, and I start tracking a little bit and a little bit and a little bit. Next thing you know, a little bit leads to 75 yards. It's getting dark. I'm like, ah, I rushed it. Son of a gun, get back, back out. What's your blood looking like right then? So I saw blood, and then I didn't see anything for about 50 yards. What were you tracking about on tracks? Just tracks because it was all leaves and I could tell which way he ran off. And I'm like, there's got to be blood because it's past through. Even if I hit forward, there's going to be blood. Right. I couldn't find any. So I backed up and it was getting dark. And of course, I didn't have a good flashlight with me, but I'm on my driveway. So I, I go back to my house and I, I text my buddy Kevin and I'm like, dude, just shot a pretty good one. He's like, you got him? You need help? And I'm like, nah, yeah, come on over. What are you thinking right now, though, as far as like what you found? What are you thinking, like, you know, I hit him one long it or no long or what? I, I instantly go to a dark place. Like, that was my mindset of, <laughs> I instantly went to a dark place of holy smokes, I messed it up. I messed it up. He's not going to be there and he's going to run for three miles. I'm not going to find yeah. him and whatever it is. Like I, like, I made a bad shot and then I made a bad decision because I, I know better. Yeah. I tell my dad, I tell everybody that I you rushed it. You rushed it because mm-hmm. I got excited. And I got down, and I shouldn't have tracked him. And even if he would have bedded down 100 yards, I clearly busted him now. So buddy Kevin gets over about an hour later. So it's been two, two and a half hours. We take our time going out now, and we find blood again at about 85 yards. And then it starts pouring, and then he was only 35 yards after that. Really? Yep. Just And he was a deer that was bigger in person than he was on trail Crown camp. growage. Yeah, because he was a mature deer. <sighs> Now, he didn't have the genetics that he was ever going to be a 150-inch deer. He mm-hmm. could have been eight and never been that. But he had a four-and-a-half-year-old body on him, for, which I mean for Michigan. I know a four-and-a-half-year-old deer where I live is, a, yep. is an old deer. And I walked up, and I was just – it was an extremely proud of on my property being able to take first that. First one? Uh, it was my second one. So my first one was with a crossbow on the ground here. Oh, that's right. Yep, yeah, yep, so yep. Two, two years ago, real quick, and you find that video too um, – I had seen this deer and I was driving back and forth on my driveway and saw where he was bedded. And I just got the crazy idea to grab my crossbow because I had messed up my shoulder in Kentucky and go out there and actually got him on the ground. And that's one of those things. Like I see these deer when I drive in and out of my driveway because they're only bedded 75 to 100 yards Mm -hmm. off. Like I see all these deer at some point in time. And this one was just bedded. And I got the crazy idea to go out there. And like the whole time I filmed it with a GoPro, like this isn't going to work. Like this will probably never be used. Then all of a sudden it, it worked. Yeah. And that was a three-year-old 115 inch deer that should have like should have lived like i look at it now like that was my first deer at the property it was a great deer for the area but like uh, it could have lived but yep. again like i don't know if it can because that still is one of the top five deer i've ever shot in michigan i know like, like that's you look cra- at it, like, it's like that's a good buck like every there's gonna be nobody that passes on that deer no so like i wouldn't the, pass on so that that's deer. why i'm like i go back and forth i don't know if i should have or not 
I probably won't. Like, I haven't hit the point of being able to pass them that So, year. you found the buck with your bow, though. Like, what do you, you're, you're oh, elated. You gotta be now elated. you got the yelling going. Now you got the bush latte is going to be going uh, yeah, later. Yeah, and, yeah. and to top it off, so I got pictures with that buck, shot with a bow, and the bearded head. Bearded head. Like, it was, yeah, a, yeah. it was a great day. But for me, that was like, that was what the season led to. I'm like, man, I could just not go out again right now and just be just be happy. And then, you know, that sudden rush of the next couple of days, you take care of the deer and you mm-hmm. kind of process everything and then start running trail cams here and get into the season, got some games going and a little bit of travel at that point before I come back and getting everything ready for, for opening day. And, and I've been running trail cams here and, and our place in Hart. Now we always hunt November 15th in the morning in Hart and Shelly's with me, my daughter, and she's up up first always so we're out there um and opening day she gets a a pretty good buck on the ground again she's lucky i go out that night didn't get anything we had to get back she had to get to school and i had to to coach the next day um the 16th the 16th so i talked my wife in and i want to go back back to heart but here's the kicker so i had another good deer at my stand in heart my dad slipped into my stand and shot that deer so it's like one of those things he hits me with the, hey, you're not here. And he slipped into my stand and he shot that deer. I'm like, great. That's on opening day. Uh, uh, opening night. Yeah. Opening okay. night. So I'm like, that's, that's cool. That's cool. <laughs> well, I mean, he shot a good deer. It was great. <laughs> it's happy like, for him. Yeah. He's happy for him. And he's like, oh, yeah, I just slipped into your day. And he does all the workout at that property. So yeah. it's like he can do what, and he, he bought it. Let's see, almost 40 years ago. He can do it. Oh, like, so you've he had can, a long yeah, time. He can do whatever he wants out there. Yeah. And I don't have any issue. But then I'm like, well, I'm not going to go back to that stand because, again, I've been running trail cams out there all year. Now it's rifle season, so you don't know what's going to show up where. Now tell me this. Here at the house, though, are those bucks, because you had four on camera, are you getting any of them? Are they all like MIA? I ha- they're all MIA at this point. So you're like, the house isn't producing No, it's not either. producing. I've never sat here with a rifle because I'm a rifle guy. It's like I can shoot 300 yards, 400 right. yards, sit somewhere you can see. Here at the house, you're like... And you see 85 yards. And you're in the rifle zone. Like, you don't have to yep, use a shotgun. Yep, use a rifle. Yep. yep. But it's just one of those, like, I don't have a good rifle shot. Like, it's comfortable where I sit in hearts and closed blind, got a heater. Like, I'm in there with a pair of cocks. Cush. Yeah, it's, yep. it's a cush life. And I'm just like, okay, so I'm going to go make the decision. My wife's going to bring the kids into school the next morning, morning the 16th. I tell her I'm going to drive to to Hart and go and sit either in my stand or another stand. I'll feel it out in the morning. Like, one of those, where I'm going. Well, just I wake up late and I got to help with the house. And all of a sudden I'm running late. No way I can make it to heart in time. I'm like, that's fine. I'll just sit. I've got one like semi pop-up blind that I've had at the lake here for three years. I've never sat in it during rifle season. And let me, <laughs> let me tell you what an outsider's perspective is of this blind. Cause I edited this hunt. Yeah. This is a, a, a piece of poop blind <laughs> that yeah. is faded. It's like bad. there's shit growing all around it. He is literally right outside of a, a building, and he decides to go on. It's it's about as Elmer Fudd as you could you could get. So I'm and I, and like I'm leaving my door at my house. And Gray light is it like cracking day? It's been shooting for ten minutes. Oh well. <laughs> so you're and I'm like you know what? But I'm going out. Yeah. I'm I'm just gonna go out. And I'm wearing the, taking the kids. I'm, I'm hunting. I got this big puffy coat on. Just and by the time <laughs> I, I park at the same building where I where I park at, except I walked around a little bit more and just sweating bullets. By the time you're wearing the big old coat and getting in there and. Of course, now I'm in 20 minutes after light. Well, and, it, and the guys are still building this building. So what time are they coming so to work? So they've been coming in because it's deer season. They know not to come in until about 9 or 9.30. Okay. So 
and I get out there, I'm sweating. And of course I sit in the blind and just freaking sweat pouring and the ground's uneven. I didn't trim the shooting lane so I can see the food plot. And I know they're coming from the left. My thought is, well, if they come in, I'm going to see them from the left. If they get to the food plot, like I'm like, yeah, it's going to be tough because there's not a, not a lot going on there. This was not the best of ideas. It's going to be a wasted morning. And I start checking my, my, um, cell cams. I'm like, huh, that's great. As I walked in, I pushed all 20 deer that were in the food plot out. Every single deer. This is, this is phenomenal. Just, just <laughs> awesome. I could have went back to bed or just, just perfect. So I get on, text Kevin, my buddy, he's, he's out. And I'm like, ah, I just blew every deer. I don't know why I'm going to sit here. I'm going to sit here for an hour. And then I'll go back and get to work and actually get something done productive. Yeah, for the because day. you know when I get that head game going, it's like when can I get out? Like it's, it's like it. you know it's like, I'm just gonna leave. Yeah, like and then I'm like, well, no, I came in, I blew right. everything out of here. Right. What am I just gonna leave after I made that dumbass yep. move? So I literally sit there and I'm just staring at trees now at this point, going through all the all the pictures from before and sitting there and messaging Kevin going, I'm, I'm going to sit for another five minutes. And he was telling me what he was seeing and I'm, you know, how you're kind of linking on your phone and I look up and I do a little, little glaze out in the old food plot there. And I'm like, Oh my God, biggest deer I've seen in Michigan is standing there. And I instantly go to the shake thing again, like drop the phone on the leaves. I'm trying to get the camera. The ground's uneven. It's a gong show now. The, the, ground, the ground is uneven, as you could tell when you edited that show. Like I couldn't get the camera to stay. It kept falling down, and I've got no shooting platform out of this, so I'm using a stick to shoot with, with my rifle, and I can see them with my naked eye, and I go to my, my scope, and I can't see them because I didn't trim the freaking shooting lane. There's no lanes at all. There's no lanes whatsoever. So the only time I can see them is when he takes a break from eating in the food plot and lifts his head up. So I sit there and it seems like 30 minutes. Now, as you edit it, it's probably only like four. But I had sat there in the scope being like, as soon as I see it, this is over. And then I get this bad feeling of when I went to do get the camera going, get my gun, he's gone. He literally left and, and took this little trail out and he's gone. And I'm sitting there in the biggest year of my lifetime. I just made wrong decision after wrong decision. And I've got my, I, I bring the gun down, got it sitting on my leg now. And I look and he lifts his head back up. So and he's he's just over a rise, he, he's right? He's just over this little rise. And if I would have trimmed the shooting lane, I would have saw his back and his head. And, and the whole time, would've just known been, he was there. would have known he was there and over relaxed. And he puts his head back down. And I know he's there now. And I can tell to my right, he can't walk unless I see a flash of him walking. So I'm there and game on. And a couple minutes later, he lifts his head up and I cannot take it anymore. I go from the, I take the scope, I go from his head, I go down to where his shoulder is. And I just instantly bang. Like I just, I was, I was so worked up, so crazy. So yeah. I, and here's the thing. I'd never seen this deer before. Yeah. I'd run trail cams here all year. I'd never seen this deer before. And I shoot and I see a flash and he goes. And of course, cause I didn't trim the freaking shooting lane. I can't see anything else. Right. So I get on the phone and I text Kevin. I'm like, Oh my gosh, I just shot the biggest deer. He's like, do you get him? And I'm like, I don't know. Like I literally, I, I like it's a hundred yard shot. He should be, he should be laying right there and with a rifle. I, Grab the, I just leave the camera. I think you probably saw the camera. Oh, yeah. The camera was. I you were bailing the, out of the blind. I, I peeled like. out of the blind in seven <laughs> seconds. I was out there with the rifle. I'm just mowing down, trying to see if I can get another one in. And he's running out, and I get out there, and I'm just like, I go to where the where the food plot's at, and I don't see anything. Like I don't see hair. I don't see anything. I'm like oh my gosh, I missed. And I'm just nervous, panic, like big deer. As you can tell, big deer have a way of ruining. Oh me. yeah, and. I must circle around there and finally I get on a little bit of blood and 
I just start walking and then all of a sudden he's laying about 115 yards away. The shot was perfect. He's just a big five and a half year old deer bruiser. And, and I just can't get, I, I just dumb fumble around. Like I go up and I touch and I look and I move him and I look him from the back and I can't, I can't do anything that's actually productive at this point. I can't like, I've got now when I found him, I've got GoPros over here. I got my camera over here. I got my gun over there. I got my phone or like, I've got stuff just scattered. I'm throwing clothes all over and I'm like, what do I have to do? Now I start letting people know. I let my dad know. He's up north. He's he's coming back from. But he came the, down, didn't he? he? Yeah, he's he came back, helped me with pictures and everything. He got here. Kevin came after he got done sitting that morning. Like it just turned into. I, just, I didn't do anything for two days after that. I'm just going to be completely honest. Yep. I just shut her down that day. Anything <laughs> on the to do list was done. It was just enjoying. It literally took two and a half to three hours for me to finish filming that day as you probably noticed like oh, the yeah. light was way different like i couldn't like i'm like i need to do the walk up i need to do the recreate i need to go and i need to film this and i just couldn't do anything i just sat there and stared at him yeah and and justin uh, uh fabian who, who films you know justin really well he facetimed me because he just shot his deer he in, shot wisconsin. A big yeah. one in wisconsin he's like dude i just shot a giant and i'm like look at me i just <laughs> shot a giant too and it was like just like the coolest morning yeah. ever but literally least productive two days of my life right there just locked in with that yeah but you need those because and how much you go all the time you're yeah. going all the time like different places away from home and like you need that like yep. just freaking do your thing yeah. you know what i mean and that was just one of those again never had them on trail cam but i have a lot of doe that are on my property at all times mm -hmm. and it's rifle season so he could have got pushed and listen an old deer like that can live in a small area and may just get pushed on that opening day of deer season. And all of a sudden he was only going to be in my area for one day. And I got lucky that I was sitting in a blind with that. I didn't trim the shooting lane on that was literally has moss growing on it. Right now. Have you heard any, cause that, if you guys want to watch that hunt, that's on Mark's, um, YouTube. So you can go to yep. the homegrown series. It's on homegrown. It's on it? homegrown. Yep. Yeah. Homegrown. Yep. You can go there and, and check that out. This deer is an absolute giant. It's a mid one fifties deer. And have you, heard from anybody in your neighbors anything there's like? a neighbor to the south that had him on trail cam a couple of times really but like still even though okay a couple of times it doesn't just like where was he at where the hell is he living where is it where is he is he well, living in a little pocket well, on the edge of the of the lake well and he very well could be because there's so many vacation homes along the lake up here that that deer can literally if he lives between houses will never be seen unless he's in summer mm -hmm. and i'm like how does a five and a half year old deer get to be unseen out here like that right now we had just down the road my one of my coaches from school coach taylor actually shot a 177 inch giant that i had the first year we lived here i had him on camera and i had him on camera one time and i saw him on halloween i was driving my kids out and he was standing on my driveway and how coach, far did he kill him from there uh let's see he would be he's about three quarters of a mile okay killed him behind his house he's only got 40 acres that he hunts killed him behind his house with a crossbow really? an absolute dud i mean 177 so and that's all along the lake but what it is is like these deer yes there are a lot of people along the lakeshore but there are a lot of vacation houses there are a lot of land that people can't hunt because they're people coming up from chicago and don't want mm -hmm. them on there don't know who to call or whatever and there's just these little pockets that hold big deer along the lakeshore like yeah. i had no idea until i moved to this side of the county what what it was like out here like I, I always looked at, okay, am I going to go hunt in Hart, which is 20 minutes away, and I know what deer are out there. We usually have one or two really big deer out there, and, and I say, again, really big, 130 to 140 yep. type deer. And then what I've seen at the lake here is there's this chance at the lake that at any point in time I could be in a stand either bow hunting or rifle hunting that literally 135 to 145-inch deer could come out. 
mm-hmm. and there's been bigger deer shot to the north and coach taylor's to the south of me every other year that are 160 plus right and like yeah and that's the thing like there's food around here there's a lot of orchards around here a lot, a lot of, of apple protection yeah a, a lot of protection yep. and um you have like a really good corridor here that just mm-hmm. like kind of necks them down and it's I don't know. You got a little piece of heaven here. That's pretty badass. We did an aggressive cause there's a lot of tree diseases here. So we did an aggressive mm-hmm. tree trimming here right when I moved in and this is year five, year six. So all that undergrowth has so much food for deer yep. and so much coverage. Like at any point in time, you can drive my driveway. And I know it's like every video that somebody sees on homegrown, you always see my driveway cause it's literally in the middle of my property, but you can drive my driveway at any point in time and just see about 10 to 20 deer at any point in time. Yep. Except today when I pulled in. Well, you'll see, see them when you leave. You'll see them when you leave. They're out there for It's you. high winds here today, though. It's been high winds the last two days. Like, I felt like my house was going to get, like, swooped up yesterday. It was, like, 30-mile-an-hour winds. It was, uh, it pushed 50 along the lake here. And today, I think it was going to be 35 to 45 gusts. Like, it'll, yeah. I'm ready for that to be over. So, but, I, there's, normally when you turn, you'll see, especially this time of year, there's three gobblers that are with some hens, and they've literally been in the cornfield at the end of the road here, yeah. nonstop for a week, except yesterday and today, because I think they may have got blown <laughs> off the field. Yeah, they literally exactly. got lifted in the air and just taken to the side field. <laughs> That's funny. Well, I guess what, uh, kind of in closing, what do you have to change for this upcoming year? What are you going to change? So, again, like I, I mentioned a little bit, like the winds are so unpredictable here. So, I think I'm going to hang a couple of stands off my food plots in an attempt, knowing I'm not going to sit there and have 30 does and small bucks around me, but knowing I'm sitting there after hunting it for the last four years, the big deer all seem to come from a general area. Yep. And I'm going to try to catch them before they get to the food plot. Now it's getting closer to their bedroom. And the one thing I don't know is some of the does don't bed very far off, off my food plot is can I get in there without messing anything up? But I think if I can get in there like that, that deer that stopped the day before, the one I shot with my bow, if I would have been in the tree, I want to put it in, I would have shot him. Yep. And the wind seems to like the wind changes so much. I, I just think, and especially when those does get on the food plot that if they sit there long enough, the wind's going to swirl. And then all of a sudden the tails go up and they start snoring and, and then it's over. Mm-hmm. And then some of them come back. Like they're so used to people, but like big deer don't do that. Right. And I'm just going to try that. Like the tough part here is the wind though. Like it's, it's unpredictable and tough to hunt the wind. Yeah. How many times do you go out in a tree and you're like, oh, it's a northwest wind, but then you get in like your area where you're at on a food plot and it's like, fuck, it's coming out of the south. Yeah, you're like, completely messed up. And you're like, what? This yeah. makes no sense whatsoever. And it's this little thermal that comes through here on this little ridge that runs up or whatever. So that's crazy. And my, it's just a swirling. It just gets me here so bad. And I, it, it fights everything you are as a hunter because you're like, I should get down. Literally. Yeah. Well, if I get down, I'm the I'm, guy I'm, that does get down. <laughs> I'd never be able to hunt it though. Like that's the thing. It's always right. going to swirl. So I just made in my head, I'm like, oh, it's always going to swirl. So just, you're out, just go and hunt it. Yeah. No, yeah. I get that for sure. Well, cool. We're, we're coming up on time here. I appreciate you doing this. Yeah, no problem. You know, I was always like, this is, it's been fun to talk about Michigan whitetail. Like it's not one you don't I, get to do it. A lot. You don't get, I don't get to you do know? it a lot, but it's one of the things that I love. I grew up doing and. Yeah. My kids love it too. So, yeah. So, everything, if you guys want to watch anything that Mark's got going on and he's doing, go to Mark Peterson Hunting on YouTube, right? Yep. That's what I should yep. know that. Um, everything, homegrown series is everything right here at his house. So, turkey hunts, whitetail hunts. Um, I mean, you've got some upland hunts and everything yep. on there. Yep. Check out all that. You're on Linear as well. And then, like I said, here coming soon, we're launching the Journey Within podcast and yep. it's going to be. Really cool to have that as well and uh, touch more 
I don't know. Like we talked in the beginning, yeah. we're going to touch more of what we can't on linear and digital. And it's one of those things that it took me a first couple of years, but I've I've learned to love feedback mm-hmm. on linear, on digital, on, listen, I'm not perfect. I'm far from perfect. I may have a lot of experiences, but until I experience it a couple of times or, or anything like that, like every time you go to the woods, it's a new experience. So you right. learn every time. Right. So, but like I, like what you guys like to see, especially on the podcast, what do you guys like to hear? What do you what do you like that we've talked about? Like same thing you've been doing the podcast long enough. Yep. You get feedback and you're like, oh man, this is what everybody like. And I like to talk about that, but I didn't know that they would like to talk about it. Yeah. Like, like that's the thing. Like as much feedback as you guys can give is obviously helps me out improve every day. Yeah. And that's that's Q and A's are the, the, the best. I yep. love doing Q and A's. Mm-hmm. So Yes, go and, and leave any any reviews or anything that you want to know. And honestly, if you want to know anything more more about Mark, hit me up. We'll do a Q&A. Him and I will get together. I'll ask him whatever questions you guys want to know. Any experiences. I mean, literally, he's done it all. Like, he's he's been there and done it. So, um, I guess with that being said, thank you again very much. Yeah, no, thanks for, for having me, that. man. Uh, thank you to everybody out there for all the support and all the downloads. As usual, please go to iTunes and uh, Spotify and leave a five-star rating. Always leave a written review that is greatly appreciated. And don't forget, we'll be right here next week on the Fall Podcast.